to another Star Wars special on Rogue One, a Star Wars story. You've got me, Grand Moff Zinger. And me, EK2SO. Man, hey, stole where I was, was mine was going to be. No, I didn't steal it. You already said yours. Whatever. <laughs> and we've been joined by... David the Hutt. Ooh, nice, <laughs> nice. Uh, David Ginsburg of Tales from, from the Fandom yes. has joined us. Um, if you've listened to his podcast, we've been on there several times to discuss Star Wars, so we decided to pull him over to our side of the galaxy to get him to discuss it with us this time. Pleasure to be here. With um with our new thing that we do now with the movies, we discuss our top three moments. Yes. So, I get, and I'm once again I I'm gonna say spoiler warning for the entire movie. So, there 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 you go, wide open for everybody now. <laughs> All right. So sorry, <laughs> David. You are our guest, so I will give you the opportunity. What are your top three moments from Rogue One? All right, my top three moments. Uh, the first is uh, Chirrut Imwe when he steps out into the alleyway, basically, and takes down a, a whole bunch of stormtroopers yes. all by himself. Nice, nice, good, good choice. Um, you, you, you can do your entire top three. Okay, my second one is the epic uh, battle above Scarif with the Hammerhead uh, Corvette, I believe it is, yes. uh, ramming into the Star Destroyer, and taking down the entire shield. Awesome. And the third one is another uh, Chirrut with uh, him walking through the blaster fire so that he can activate the master switch to enable the rest of the Rebellion to get the plans for the Death Star. Awesome. All right, Ellie, I'll I'll, I'll let you go next, uh, being a gentleman that I am. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. Um... Well, one of mine was the Rebel Fleet attack as well. Um, it was pretty awesome seeing the Hammerhead ships um, ramming into each other. So I, I definitely love that. And just the whole like the throwbacks to the Red and Gold leaders and and all. I just I just love the whole just the, all of the battle stuff is great at the end there. Um, and then um, Jen's speech. Where she's saying, and she's making that big speech in front of everybody when she's trying to talk them into, you know, leading this this attack to get the plans. Um, and, and, you know, she says rebellions are built on hope. Um, I just, I don't know, I love that. It was very inspiring. It was really cool. And then, by far, hands down, Darth Vader. When he, <laughs> you know, at that very end, when it's leading into, you know, it's leading into the moments right before the, you know, a new hope. Yeah, leading into New Hope. And um, just, just where it's black, and and then the light comes up, and you can see the red of the lightsaber, and it's just, it's so freaking awesome. Uh, that's yes, it's awesome. I love it. I'm gonna kind of bullet point mine because I know I'm gonna talk about it more when we're in discussion, mm-hmm. and I know that this has been mentioned. So, and I've got to hold off my. My, my just geek out that I'm going to have probably <laughs> in T-minus, probably I'd say about 20 minutes. Oh. Um, my, my, my first one is actually the occupation of Jetta, Having the Star Destroyer hovering over the city I thought was something that was 
really cool and it's something that you know in the extended universe and you know other canon stories they had always talked about you know imperials you know the ships being hovering over cities and stuff and it's just something you never got to really see in the original trilogy so getting to see it was really cool and just the the whole empire you know how how in just imposing they are when they are occupying an area yeah so that so that was really cool for me to see that uh, my number two moment would be the the, the vader vader um at, at the end of the movie was yes. great and a- actually just vader throughout the movie i, th- I thought was solid mm-hmm. and um, my number one was the um whole battle of scarif both ground and air mostly the one in the air and mm-hmm. space was was just phenomenal for me but i like, like i said there's a countdown to a total geek out i will have over that coming very <laughs> soon so so those are our top three moments definitely let us know what yours are um but now we're going to move into the plot real quick, even though we've kind of spoiled some stuff. But for this, we always try to mix up, you know, what we do for the plot on this one. And I'm actually going to steal where this entire almost premise for this movie came from, from the opening crawl of A New Hope. So nice. we're going to jump ahead a movie to then jump back a movie. Right. It, it is a period of civil war. Rebel ships strike from a hidden base. Can I stop you? You want to do it? No. I want you to do it in a cool voice. Cool voice? <laughs> yes. Yes. This might take a few takes. <laughs> All right. It is a period of civil war. Rebel ships strike from a hidden base. Having won their first victory against the evil Galactic Empire, during the battle, the rebel spies managed to steal secret plans to the Empire's ultimate weapon, the Death Star. An armored space station with enough power to destroy an entire planet. Dun, dun, dun. So that's where the entire idea for this for this movie came from was basically around about two lines in a in an opening crawl. Can I just say how awesome that is? What that voice? Thank you. Oh well, of <laughs> course that too. But I absolutely adore being Star Wars fans, and I think we've talked about this before. Um, it's, it's so nice to, to have more stories and, and not just have to deal with episodes one through nine. Like we get to have these little snippets of, of awesomeness. And I think it's great that they could make such a great film off of, like you said, just, just a couple sentences basically. So from an opening crawl. Yeah. So it's really, really exciting to me of, of the stuff that could come in the future. Well, I, I think this is a good point. Ellie brings this up, and I think we should tackle this right now. Um, this is technically not one of the episodic Star Wars. So right. within our discussions, excluding you know the whole expanded universe and legends discussion, this is our first chance to talk about a movie that's not episodic mm-hmm. in nature. So what is your guys' opinions on this being sort of its own story? It's it's. It has elements from the main Star Wars universe, but of course, it's not presented as a full-fledged star. It does not have the crawl. It doesn't have a lot of the other um, notes from the other movies, but it's definitely set within that universe and definitely has a lot of those themes. So, what do you guys think of that? Of this idea of expanding the universe through these movies, David? We're going to start with you on this one. Well. I love background information. It's something that I've always loved about the Star Wars universe, uh, Legends universe, and now we're really getting into some solid background stuff. And it's really just, it's so incredible to get to have 
the world expanded in canon, so now it's official, and just get like new places and new ideas and new questions. Like on Jedha with the that statue that's laying on the ground, is that a Jedi? Is it supposed to be on the ground? Was it originally standing up? Now I have more questions that I hope maybe will get answered somewhere down the line in a in a canon book or maybe a future movie. But I I think that and I was real hesitant when this movie came out. I wasn't sure if I really wanted to see it or go see it uh, because of how they re- are redoing the canon, essentially. Mm-hmm. But I loved it. I want more of what they have done. And I really hope that they branch out and give us maybe some even different style of movies, like maybe a bounty hunter type movie or a noir style movie. Um, I mean, the the opportunities are endless. And I feel like they can't really go wrong as long as they've got some solid story to, to back it up. All right. Well, I'll go second on this one because Ellie does like to sometimes anchor the conversation. So I'll, I'll let her go, <laughs> go, go last on for this one. Um, this for me was a opportunity for them to show that they could do a Star Wars movie that was not part of the episodic things. And I think they knocked it out of the park. I think this was a fantastic experiment for them. They definitely proved they could do it. Um, I know that this was plagued with rewrites and tons of other stuff, but it, 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 you wouldn't have known it watching the movie. It, I think they did a great job. Does it have its issues? Eh, yeah, it has a few here and there, but it's not, it's nothing that none of the other Star Wars have. So it, it had a nice callbacks. It had, um, I think, the right amount of Vader in it. Um, I, I think if they had had him in any more, any more involved, it would have kind of taken away from the fact that this isn't supposed to be a Vader-based movie or a Skywalker family-based movie. I think they had enough fit in there because he felt like when he was in there, it was necessary. It would have been what Vader was, you know, ordered to do or what Vader would be involved in. Um, the return of, you know, Grand Moff Tarkin, it, which I, I know that some people are against the computer, you know, recreation of him. I didn't mind it. If no. you pay, if, if you focused on him, yeah, it, it ruined it. But right. I, I think it was in there enough to where it was... It was really cool to see him to see him brought back to life, basically, and to be interacting with other Imperials, and it it kind of just I think it did just a fantastic job. And I mean, I'll I'll talk more about that later. But um, Ellie, so so your impressions of this being you know a branch off movie? How do you think it did? Um, I I loved it. Um, I uh, I mean, we first need to give credit to the whole reason why this even happened is because of George Lucas. Um, he's actually the one that first came up with the fact that you should do standalone movies. So hats off to them for him for allowing this to happen. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the, the statue is concerned, I just wanted to piggyback to that really quick. The, the, the statue in the sand on yes, Jetta. Um You know, you and I were talking about this briefly earlier. And, you know, a lot of people believe that that was part of the first Jedi Temple. and One of them, possibly. Yeah, right. And, and so it's kind of, it was very fitting to show it in the movie just because um, it's kind of that time period where you're, you're starting to lose hope and it's been going on for a long time and it's all battered and kind of worn down. So it's kind of representative of their 
you know psyche yeah they're just they're tired and they're worn down they're tired of fighting and and so um I thought that was very fitting for it to be in there. Um, but we can talk about the later if you want more. But, but yeah, I, I love it. Like I said earlier, I am very excited that it did so well because it proves that we could get so many more of these, um, kind of like what um, David mentioned with um, bounty hunters. Bounty and- hunters and you know there's just there's so much they could do. So it's really exciting of of the future of Star Wars and it, it's it's exciting time. Awesome. Um so we've we've mentioned this Jedi Temple and the the Jedi not being, you know, the force I feel like, I guess the way I want to put this is, I feel like the Force is very present in this movie, but without being present through a Force user, if that makes any Mm -hmm. sense. Right. Absolutely. And I know that was something that they had said early on before this movie came out. And this is fun, because we actually get to kind of discuss this movie as like a, we we know stuff about it pre, you know, in production and stuff. We know stuff about the other movies, but this was one that we kind of got to see recently, go through all these production notes and everything. But I know that they said that the force not being there is a very present and very, like, clear thing to them. Mm-hmm. And I think that this movie showed kind of, did a little bit of retconning, too, of the force being a kind of ethereal thing again. Because I think Charit, Charit was, the, the he was not, I, I'm, I'm just going to take a quick second. I feel like Jedi's, are able to manipulate the force, but the force was able to manipulate Charit during the movie. Because he, you know, he's like the forces, the forces, I'm one with the force, the forces with me. He walked that entire battlefield, did not get shot <laughs> once. Right. Because I think the force was protecting him. Mm-hmm. Um, the force used him as a conduit as opposed to the Jedi who are able to pull from the force. Well, the so the force, force was trying to balance back out everything possibly in this movie. Well, then the Force is a jerk. Why? Well, because the Force made sure that that happened, and then as soon as he got to pull the switch, then the Force is like, eh, I'm we, good now. All right, well, maybe jumping ahead of ourselves, but I feel like... Sorry. I feel like everyone in this movie has a little timer taking over their head. I know, I know. And I, I guess this is a question... I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, because I got another another conversation <laughs> point I want to make. We just get so excited talking but, about Star Wars. Um, but so, so so the Force, um, I kind of think we've already kind of established, but you, do you, Ellie, your, your thoughts on the Force in this movie. Do you think it is something that is making its presence known? Yeah. Again? I, I, and it's inspiring, too, because, um, oh, I forgot his name. I'm so sorry. Um, the, um, the big guy that has the gun that's always with uh, Oh, my Jared. gosh. I forgot oh, his ba- name. Baze Malbus. Okay. Ba- yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> you caused me to forget it. I'm sorry. <laughs> It was so, because throughout the movie, you know, he always makes, you can tell that he respects him, of course. Yeah, um, And, and, you know, just obviously he wouldn't be hanging around and following him if he didn't. Um, But he kind of makes little jokes and, you know, and all that stuff at him. But it was, it was, it was so touching, you know, when he starts chanting it then after. Oh my gosh, that was. Uh, so yes, I I just I think it's more of an inspiration than anything else, and and I like I like the take on the feelings of the Force in this one versus sometimes some of the I mean it's great in the other movies, but I'm just saying I liked the take on 
in this movie on the force. It was really cool. David, do you have anything to add? Well, I wanted to add that, you know, in the prequels, we see that the force, and I'm not going to mention the, the, the big word in that, but you know, the force worked its will to start the ball rolling. And in the, the force awakens, the force has kind of been dormant. So they've started establishing that the force does have something going on that the force is, you know, moving its little pieces around the universe too. And I definitely have to agree as far as like true, it goes. Yeah. I, I can see him being used by that, like by the force to, to go through the motions that they needed, that the force needed to do to kind of start setting another, you know, ball in the air as if like, we're going with a juggling thing or whatnot, but you know, yeah, I I totally agree. Awesome. I think this movie also does a great job of showing the grittiness of what war is to the rebels, to the Imperials, to everybody. Um, In your all's opinion, are the, is um, rogue one or the little group of rogue, the, the spy team likable people, to be honest. Or, or, or people that, 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 that you would like to be the protagonist of movies and everything? Um, I don't know. I think it's a great group. You grow to love them throughout the movie, though. But they all have baggage and obviously are not the best examples of right, but it, good, right. upstanding people like we've seen through the other Star Wars movies. There, that, That's the comparison I wanted to make. Well, but it brings it more down to earth. True. So I, I like that part that... When you're watching the movie, you know, you could be, like, basically comparing, like, oh, I I know where that person's coming from, or, you know, I can see why, you know, they all have baggage, and, yeah. and that's what makes them human. So, I, I like that of it, uh, that part of it. David, what about you? Uh, you know, the only one that I really didn't ever connect with, connect with was Cassian. I'm not sure why I didn't really connect with his character, I preferred like Chirrut and Baze and K2SO as <laughs> the the trio of characters that I really gravitated <laughs> yes. towards. Uh, mm. Even even Jin, I really liked her uh, more in like that second half of the movie. I think it just took time to really get like her and Cassian established. I did like that Cassian in the opening. You know, he he's the guy that is having to make some of these tough decisions and he will kill his informant to to get away and get keep going and keep doing what he has as a mission. And I like that they showed that the rebel like the rebels, the rebel alliance are not all nice hunky dory people fighting for truth, justice and, you know, the the galactic way, basically. (laughs) Nice. I, I definitely agree with you. I know that's something that um, when I was seeing the movie that I was very impressed with that, I mean, they they the um, they, they have extremists within the rebellion that they, even they are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's taking it way too far. They, like they, Saul. Yeah, they, yeah like, like Saul Guerrero. They're like, he's an extremist. And even yeah. and, and that, that was really cool, to, you know, because that would, it makes the world feel more real that the rebellion wasn't like this, this, perfectly managed group of people that it was 
teetering on the brink of collapse at uh, at many times, and it's and well it's, desperation. Yeah, and that's yeah. and I think desperation will come up when I like I said in a, when we discuss more the end of the movie. But mm-hmm. um, I I just I just really liked how it showed that not everything's squeaky clean. We've we've seen kind of the point of view from generals and from you know top A starfighters. We've never seen you know how they get this information or how it gets there. And it's mm-hmm. and it's and it's nice to see that it's not you know the squeaky clean way that it's done. Um, I guess we should mention it now because I, I don't know if we've been avoiding it on purpose. But K two S O. Oh my Every, gosh, okay. Alan st- Tudyk is my hero. Star of the movie. I was about to say let's let us let us just talk about that real quick. Can I, I say best droid ever? Yes, and I actually want to. I don't know if this is a point you wanted to make. I feel like K2SO would not have been as impactful if we were not introduced to him when he, we, we were. Because we've been introduced to C3PO and other droids. So having him being a sarcastic droid, I think, was just the perfect way to have him uh, portrayed. <laughs> whether we knew other droids or not, it's so magically written that it's. It's perfect. I I just absolutely love this character. Um, you know, it's it's cool how he kind of changes his his feelings over time in the movie um, on Jin. Yeah. So it it's it's neat to see it. You know, the way that that he emotionally connects with her by the end of the movie, and he has more of a just. He's kind of standoffish with her and smart alecky, and and he's protective, protected of her at the end. So it's 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 kind of neat. But I just I love this this droid, and and I love the guy that voices him. So absolutely, I I ha- I mean, you think about the droids that you meet, and I could almost equate if R two had a voice, he would be almost like K two S O, but probably a little bit nicer at times, <laughs> but. I, the one of the shining moments was in the uh, that Jedha battle where Jin blasts in a an Imperial droid and he comes up and he's like, "Did you know that was me?" <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. But that's and, great. And you know, I, I watched the movie yesterday, and his death was probably one of the hardest ones to watch. Oh, that's what it was. It, it bringed back in my head the timers it, above everyone's head. Yes. That's 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 what it was. All right. So um, we, we brought up again. So what did you guys think going into this movie? Did you think anyone was going to make it out alive? Because I actually have an interesting twist to this on some, like I said, behind the scenes information. Um, David, did you think everyone anyone was going to make it out of this alive? Of course. It's a Star Wars movie. You're not going to kill all of your like group of characters there's going to be somebody that was going to make it out alive and again like i went into the movie not uh i saw the trailer but i didn't like read up about it i didn't do any of like my normal background digging Mm -hmm. on this movie so yeah i was like i i knew there's going to be casualties i was like at least half are going to die but they're they're going to get somebody out and then as things just started progressing and you just come to that realization it's like no, no, don't do this to me, <laughs> Ellie. What, what what about you? Um, I kind of agree with David. I I figured one or two would make it. Um, you know, I really did, and so, but I like that they didn't. I I will. You I'll know, agree with I that. mean, I I like the fact that this was a suicide mission. 
You know, yes. they they knew going into it that this is what it was, and they accepted it. Just like the scene when Jen and Cassian were, you know, holding hands and and <laughs> you know the, their death is imminent, obviously. Yeah. Um, and they took satisfaction and joy knowing that what they did is is going to possibly bring peace and and hope to the next group of people. So they they accepted that. Their, their fate. What, yeah, they didn't. Mm-hmm. They weren't sitting there crying and moping and oh, what was me? Like they embraced it, and I thought that was beautifully done. Um, I know that there was supposedly a another draft of the movie written where they actually a few of them did make it off planet. Like they they got mm-hmm. on a ship and basically yeah, very similar too. to what happened on on Jetta, they kind of escaped the blast. They had that written uh, allegedly. And they had it kind of in their back pocket when they were pitching stuff, and apparently they never had to use it or mention it because they were like, no, we, we, we like where you guys went with this. Mm-hmm. And they said that they were very surprised that Disney was was okay with them going in that direction and everything. And I personally, when I went into the movie, I, I kind of was like, I want to see a few of them make it out alive. That would be cool. And then the dark side behind me went, you want to see them all pay? They're all going <laughs> to die, aren't they? And I'm like, no, they'll make it out. Well, let's not forget that <laughs> Um, on the other side of Disney, Disney does <laughs> kill a lot of people. Yeah. They just do it more in the background. So it's just not, um, I mean, pretty much every Disney out there, a parent or somebody is dead or dies in the movie. So True. <laughs> Disney has its evil side too. So <laughs> I, 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 th- I thought that was really, I mean, as I was saying, I feel like everyone sort of has a timer over their head and sort of, does something that they need to do to complete the mission. And it seems like if, if there's one tiny complaint I can have with the movie, it seems like every time someone completes some part of their mission, they die almost instantly afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of one of those things that sort of was like, like if I really want to nitpick, that's my only nitpick is that, you know, why didn't one of them survive for like, you know, another five minutes and then get randomly shot? I, I just it just seems like every time they complete it, but once again, maybe that's showing the force at work that it protected them or allowed them to get stuff done for as long as they needed to to protect them. So I don't know. That's that's just my opinion on it. And like I said, that's that that is me tiny, you know, tiny chipping away at the mountain of how much I enjoy this movie. So so don't so don't get that wrong of me saying that as a negative thing. It's just my one little critique of it. So, what did you guys think of Vader in this movie, excluding <laughs> excluding the the final scene, excluding the final scene? Because I know that there was a lot of a lot of pushback on the way he was portrayed in the movie with his discussion with um, director Krennic. Um. Well, kind of like we've discussed before, I don't think you'd appreciate Vader in this movie as much if you had not seen four, five, and six. So, for me, it was great. That That's what made it so special, is just, you know, like I said, that scene where he comes in, and I, I know you said not excluding that, but I just, um, when he comes in and turns on his lightsaber, and that just would not have meant near as much as it did if I hadn't seen the other movies before. But I I, I was okay with him in this movie. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well... I liked it. I liked uh, seeing him actually being in a Bacta tank mm-hmm. uh, before Krennic got in there. 
and you get to see that Vader, you know, has a few lackeys and the the royal guard around with him too. I my nitpick with Vader was the dad joke. Oh that yes, he, yes, that yes. On, on Krennic about trying to get ahead of himself. Um, Don't and, choke on your ambitions. Right, right. There you go. And that, like, I was like, uh, you're you're kind of stretching on that one, but. I, and go. I, I just have to go away from Vader. Like a tangent on Vader is that in A New Hope, Vader is Tarkin's lapdog for the most part. I, I'd really like to have seen maybe a glimpse into their relationship in this movie because you really see oh, that's a... the, the the duel between Tarkin and Krennic over the the Death Star and who's going to take credit for it and please you know make sure the emperor knows that I did it and I succeeded but really like Darth Vader in A New Hope is is under Tarkin and I just would have liked to have seen something play out just to give us a hint or a glimpse into how that relationship is. Um, that's a very good point. They they sort of completely avoid it in this movie. Um, I I kind of wanted to save this discussion for when we do New Hope, but I know that from some of the books and from some of the you know other stuff that is canon, Vader has a actual respect for Tarkin, like and vice versa. He actually is not too. Um, Vader's not too, how do you say, tolerant. He, he doesn't like the um, Imperials for the most part, the, the officers. The, the troops, mm-hmm. he actually has a lot more respect for the stormtroopers than he does for the officers, except for Tarkin. And Tarkin and him sort of have this mutual understanding. Like, for example, when he's on the Death Star, that's why he's Tarkin's lapdog is because the Death Star is Tarkin's and he's sort of the guest there to be his tool of war whenever he wants to use it. But that's a very interesting point. It would have been nice to see some interaction between those two. But as for your dad joke, I'm glad you didn't like it. Because I, I, I actually, I, I'm, I'm on the fence with this. I, I understand people not liking it, but at the same time, I sit there and think back to him going, apology accepted. Right. So it's kind of one of those things I'm like, oh, I like it and I don't, but I'm I'm kind of signing on more of I, I I like it, but I can understand people's um, irritation with it, or or a little bit kind of like a eh about it. So um, this movie, like I said, has has inspired a lot more stuff. It is the first I said standalone Star Wars movie. But um, is there any inspirations from this movie that that we are aware of that have inspired it? And yeah. Ellie just lit up like a candle. I was like, so. I know a couple. Um, there's actually a couple films that inspired Rogue One. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. So, um, the, the Dam Busters and the Guns of Navarone. Interesting. Um, they're both older films. The Dam Busters, 1955, and the Guns of, I'm so sorry if I'm saying it wrong. Navarone, um, was 1961, but, um, it was said that both, both of those films inspired, um, the the war parts of it, you know, the battles yeah. and that sort of thing. So I thought that was really cool that they took some inspiration from some older movies. All right, um, David, do you have any inspirations that you know of from this movie or that helped? Not off, not off the top of my head. Nothing that I can pinpoint or think of. I mean, the only thing that I would maybe equate it to is it's got a usual suspects kind of feel as far as assembling the team together. Yeah, but. 
I mean, that's maybe a stretch, but... I don't know. I just got this image of like some guy Richie esque, you know, when they're assembled, they're they're you know like the the pilot pops up above their head or you know. You gotta have the them engineer. all like standing in a row, walking slowly. Yeah. <laughs> gotta have the Guardians feel and all the other different movies that do that. Um, another little Easter eggy thingy kind of thing too is cool is um, you know the the jacket that Cassian wears. It's reminiscent of Han Solo's yes. from The Empire Strikes Back when yes, they were on Hoth. Exactly. So I thought that was really cool, and it, it's funny. Like it's clearly inspired by. I mean, you don't see it like boom, like as soon yeah. as you see it, but you can definitely, if you really look at it, you can definitely see where that comes from. So I thought that was really cool too. All right. If it's okay with everybody, I think we've. I think I've hit the time limit on when I can geek out about something. Oh, sure. Yes. So go if ahead. it's okay, I mean, we we can, we can go back <laughs> in a movie, but I want to talk about the Battle of Scarif. Oh yes, go ahead. This this moment in the movie was just I I I seriously when people say they're on the edge of their seats. I don't think I was even sitting in my seat. I wasn't standing. I was somehow able to just sit there in thin air. I was that excited about this. Um, it was it was one of those things. Return of the Jedi did an amazing job with the star star battles and everything for its time. And I mean, it's it's still definitely really well done. But this one, this was such a as we we've talked about. This movie has a sense of desperation with it as a sense of hope. The rebels threw almost everything they had into this battle, and this battle was basically against two star destroyers and an imperial shield um, installation, which, in the grand scheme of things, isn't that much. But it took out um, basically just that battle was just so well done and so well shot. I loved, you know, the gold leader, the red leader, you know, them bringing them back through um, through the audio and through visual. I thought that was awesome. Um, the implementation of female pilots, which was something that I know in the original series they said they wanted to have. It's just for some reason it got overlooked. Mm-hmm. So stuff like that was just, oh my gosh, it was just so cool because I seriously was watching this going, I feel like this is me when I was younger with a ton of my toys basically playing with them. Like saying, oh, and, and then these, these Star Destroyers come in and then, the, and then the TIE Fighters come in. It was just, I was just sitting there watching this just blown away the entire time by just how epic this battle was and just it it was just such a last stand for them as sort of they had to get these these things which i think also goes and affects the new hope battle of the death star just to show that even that was more of something that like that was just desperation and just like this this is seriously all the rebels have left now was that was that little group of y-wings and x-wings to go fight an entire battle station Mm-hmm. So I think that that kind of retroactively made that battle even have more weight to it because their entire fleet was basically wiped out. And I'm I'm skipping ahead in, in the battle a little bit, and I'm just talking about the space side of it at the moment. When the Devastator shows up, which is um, which is Vader's Star Destroyer that, that he had at the time, when that shows up and it just starts just blowing away what's left of the Rebel fleet... And, and there was ships trying to escape that just crashed into it, and it just kept flying like it was no right. big deal. It was just – that was showing the pure power of the Empire, and the and the Death Star was there too. So it was a, it was just such an epic battle. And, I mean, the, the Rebels did a great job. The, they, they took out two Star Destroyers and the shield. Um, the Hammerhead Corvette scene was really cool. Yeah. But that was interesting, especially since that, that was introduced in the Rebel series. 
And I know that the ghost is seen somewhere in the background of a few mm-hmm. of the scenes too, but like I said, it's it's unclear at this point still whether anyone from Rebels is piloting it or at that battle. So I don't want to get into that too much. But anyways, I just wanted to take a moment just to say how awesome that was. And then, and don't get me wrong, the ground battle was cool too. It's just seeing that that space battle was just so cool for me. Okay, I think I've taken about five minutes of everyone's time. And what's everyone else's opinion on it? <laughs> I loved it. I love the space battle. I love small fighter uh, battles, whether it's like uh, dog fighting with airplanes, uh, starships, anything of that nature. I really enjoy it. I loved everything that they did cinematically with it. I, I really, and, you know, throwing back to it, it's one of those first times where all of the rebels and their fleets of ships are together and they're like their hand is forced because of what the the crew of rogue one has done they now have to commit their forces to go do this for that small chance of getting uh the the death star plans and i like i liked when vader's ship showed up because they're trying to escape they're trying to get you know they're their jump to light speed or hyperspace and they have to make those calculations and it's taking time and the the star destroyer just plows right into them uh doesn't even give them a chance it is just everything that i hope future uh starfighter and even large-scale capital ship battles i just want that like give me more of that ellie your opinion on on the battle of um scarif uh, I mean, I don't know really what else to say. Uh, <laughs> um, it was, there was just so many great points. Kind of what you said earlier, Zinger, about it wasn't just the space battle. It was, it was on land, too. Yes. Um, just, just all of it in general was, was really great. And, and it was really good about kind of how it focused in on each character and, and what they did as, um, each thing they did was minor, but when you added it all together as a collective, that's how they succeeded. So it showed how, you know, everybody in the team played an important role to the overall, you know, end of the story. So I just, I loved it, and it was awesome. Awesome, awesome. Like I said, I think that was a nice third act and everything. Like I said, I think the third act of this movie is very solid in what it did. Uh, I think everything leading up to it did help. All right, so this movie has had had some very interesting lead up to it. Um, I did mention rewrites and stuff like that that it's had. David has pointed out before we started recording that he has some notes on the trailers, which we could discuss possibly how the movie's ending and stuff like that could have changed. So, David, if you would take it away, I just have a few nitpicks. I, I, the movie is solid, but there's some stuff in the trailers that don't make it into the movie and some of the scenes in there uh they've brought up and mentioned the what the most iconic there's like a few iconic scenes one was Jin wearing that tie fighter uniform and standing in that tunnel of lights that kind of illuminates her and it was in the trailer and you're expecting to see it in the movie and it wasn't there and then the director had come out and said oh we're just messing around and it looked really cool so i shot it and threw it in the trailer uh, one of the other ones was on Scarif, like Krennic and a bunch of sand troopers, or uh, I guess they're sand troopers, Beach are walking. Troopers. The, they're walking in the water, like during the fight or after a fight, and 
you don't see that. And then the other one, again, with Jin, is when she's doing the the transmission at the end, there's a TIE fighter that comes almost eye level to her. And again, that wasn't in there. And it's, it's kind of like those scenes where you've seen them in the trailer so many times, you're expecting them, and then you don't get them. And you're like, well, what happened? Where did they go? I know another one was um, during the where they were on the beach running to that where, where they had the data tape. She had the data tape and she was running and they were firing at them and that never made it in as well. Um, I, I just wonder if that was, you know, some of the reshoots and rewrites they did, mm-hmm. if that kind of had an effect and they just left certain things in, or maybe it was a purposeful thing. Maybe, you know, this is something they're trying to do to not have people, you know, sniffing around too much and figuring out stuff. Right. Maybe it's something they're intentionally doing. The TIE fighter thing, I actually had this cross my mind when I was watching it. I was wondering if this, if the strike TIE fighters, which I think is what the ones are referred to in that are all around the um, facility, if those weren't implement, or if they weren't using those and then they switched them to where they're like, oh, well, instead of having the regular TIE fighters, let's throw these new TIE fighters in. We can sell more toys. <laughs> so I'm wondering if, if that's why it switched to a different one, because the tie still did confront her. It just flew by and did it. Right, right. So that's why I'm wondering if that's what happened, is they switched it because of that. So who knows? Or mine just been put in there as a red herring for, like I said, just to throw people off of what was going on in the movie. Like I said, I think that this, this movie has a lot of Easter eggs in it. Another thing that was introduced, since we're talking about new things that got introduced, the ATCT and the Death Troopers. What do you guys think of those? Uh, I mean, I like the, the look and the appearance of them. I kind of like that they had started to make even more specializations of the specific troopers. And then, you know, I just now I want more information. Like, how does one become a Death Trooper? What do you have to do to become a Death Trooper? <laughs> like... Where do I sign the application? Do you have to right. interview? Like, do, do you, Is there a selection process? <laughs> <laughs> like that, and you know, that's just always just something curious about, like, who gets those assignments and who gets to to just, you know, like you see the those uh, stormtroopers at the beginning of the movie having to deal with the the prisoner transport, and they're like, oh, great, like what happened now? Like those guys versus death troopers or the sand troopers or beach troopers and there's a lot of specialization out there i i kind of like it to be honest the death troopers are interesting because they i mean you kind of get that that the stormtroopers are some humanoid or something behind there those since when they talk their voices are altered or maybe that's how they that's the language they actually are trained to speak it just they felt so inhuman Mm-hmm. And it was weird, and also they're accurate when they shoot too, which was also equally scary <laughs> to see a stormtrooper that can shoot accurately. So, so that was interesting for me. The um, specialization was very cool. I mean, you you think you know a giant empire, you know that has to basically occupy tons of different planets would have all these different you know special special troops for different environments. So that was interesting to see you know a beach planet you know to have a little bit different variation, but. I think the ACTCs um, was very interesting because it was obvious that, you know, the walkers were something that they could use for some other things other than war, which was really cool to see that. Um, The Imperial transports were interesting to see, you know, them transporting the Kyber crystals up to the 
to the Star Destroyer during the occupation. The, mm-hmm. the, the tanks were really cool. We got to see an Imperial tank. And also there was a um, ATST there too. So that was all that stuff was really cool to, to kind of see that, you know, implemented and, you know, just some different stuff. Where is it in the original series? I, I'm, I'm not one to sit there and nitpick and care too much. It's kind of one of those whatever after it's kind of over and done with. Um, just a few more little things I just wanted to point out. This is a transition and technically a prequel movie. It has some politics in it. Is that something that was a turnoff for any of you guys? Like something that you didn't want to have the politics in it as much? Or was it something that you were okay with? I was okay with it. I loved it. I yeah. loved the whole uh, Krennic-Tarkin uh, duel, basically, for their, their political futures. And that's, that is how exactly, if they, if they ever do a political movie or something along those lines, I want it to be very character-driven just like that. I enjoyed it as well. And it also, in New Hope, there is, there is that nice little bit of, you know, some political stuff between the Imperial officers. So I liked how it was still in this one, too, mm-hmm. um, that they carried that there that 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 shows how powerful Tarkin was and how formidable he was even to other Imperials. To, and, to sh- and, you know, I'm sorry, even jumping on the rebel side, you have people like Mon Mothma and oh, Bail Organa and Jan Dadana doing like their thing. But then you have that other subsection of generals where they're like, oh, no, don't bring them and kill them or, oh, I, I'm going to take my ship and go fight and, you know, screw you guys i'm i believe in what this one person is saying about getting the plans like you you get to see it on both sides and that's really is a fascinating like strike of the the political behind the scenes of like the galactic empire and the the little rebellion i i know that a lot of people criticize the prequels for their um whole political stuff and I mean, I, I tried watching them this time with with a more eye for that to see you know how much it hold, held up and I kind of, I'm, I, I think I've said my opinion of it in the past on a past episode, but in this, I like it because it helps add to the story. It's mm-hmm. not something to where you're sitting there kind of like, oh, you're, you're sitting there intrigued because it's like, oh my gosh, he's talking to that officer like that, or, oh, or why, why is there this drama going on? So I thought that was, that, that was a really well done. Um, finally, we kind of mentioned Vader's little interaction on, I, did, did anyone catch what planet that is, by the way? Oh, they confirmed it's Mustafar. Okay, I, I was wondering, because they, they... It didn't show up on, on screen, but they, they did go ahead and say that it's Mustafar. And also, if you watch it on Blu-ray, when you go to that scene, it does say Mustafar. It does say um, Castle on Mustafar, I think, is what the scene's called. Okay. So, that was interesting, and I want to kind of mention that real quick as sort of a callback to the prequels, in the sense of, think about this... Vader has chosen to put his his area to go technically not be Vader on the planet where he suffered his greatest defeat. And he has it it's supposedly overlooking the battle like where the battle took place. It's just interesting because I mean that's powering him technically as a Sith Lord. That's fueling his hatred and basically he likes to go somewhere to where he can feel hatred and just you know, fear and everything all over again from where he lost basically everything. So I thought that was an interesting, nice little touch by the by the writers and everything to put that actually on Mustafar and not just some other lava planet. 
<laughs> personally. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed that. Ellie, what, what did you think of it actually being Mustafar? No, it, it was cool. I mean, we talked in, in depth about Mustafar in one of the other yes. episodes about how it was filmed. And it was really cool um, that it was actually real live lava. Yeah. Going around and everything. So I thought it was it was great. But I, I just want to point this out before we move on. If you notice, his castle is on the higher ground. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Stop. Ugh. All right. For our final thoughts exercise, I kind of wanted to do one more question real quick. Where would you watch this movie? If, if you had somebody who has never seen Star Wars, how would you have them watch this? I know we've discussed how to watch Star Wars in previous stuff, but I just want to know now, this is out and everyone's kind of gotten to see it a little bit more. Where did everyone put this? Okay, are we are we giving an order or do I need to just uh, tell you that I would watch it right before A New Hope? Now, if, if you're introducing it to someone who's never seen never it. Never seen any of them, right? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. we're going to go with that. Because, I mean, me, when, when for Star Wars Day, I actually did watch them starting with Rogue One. And then four, okay. five, six. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would totally put it as, I mean, I would either start with Revenge of the Sith and then lead into this, or just lead, start Rogue One and then into the original trilogy. Okay, cool. Ellie, where where would you put it? I totally, wholeheartedly disagree. Oh, controversy. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I said before. There's too much in this movie that is much more meaningful if you've seen the original trilogy first. So I, I definitely say I would not watch it before those movies. Um, if you're introducing it to somebody. Yeah, if, I, if I'm introducing it to somebody, hands down, I would not have them watch this movie before A New Hope. Okay. I think it needs to be seen after... Um, now, whether I would do it after episode four or episode five, I'm not quite sure. Um, but but definitely, I would I would have them watch it after they've watched the original trilogies. All right, I'm trying to remember back right now to our what order do you watch I know. to see what I said because I kind of still agree with myself there. Of I would t- and. And we just want to point out, everyone, we're not trying to gang up on David, him being oh, our no, guest no, and everything. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's no fun if you all agree with everything. <laughs> but, exactly. But I think I originally said watch it after, like, if you if you did watch them in order, like, mm-hmm. not the machete method, or no way, I think I, I think I agreed that you would watch four Rogue One as yeah. sort of a, here's how they did it. I think you, yeah. I think and then five, one, two, three, and then six. Um, I kind of still agree with that. I don't think you could start with this one because there's there would be too many questions. And kind of, I, I also want to kind of side with maybe this is something that after you watch the... Maybe this is something <laughs> after you watch the trilogy that you'll be, you would enjoy more after the fact. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying you or can't... Or not after the trilogy, after the saga. Sorry, right. saga. 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 Um, I mean, you most definitely can watch this first. I'm yeah. not saying that you can't. I'm just saying you will appreciate the movie a lot more if you watch it after. I, I will agree with that. Yeah. So let us know your opinions on where you place this movie. All right. So final thoughts from everybody. Ellie, this is a part you love, so I will let you go first. <laughs> um, really? 
I mean, if you want to. No, I can go first. I was just wondering where the This Is A Part You Love came from. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel, feel you enjoy, you know, to, to get your final thoughts on something. Okay. And I always like saying the last word, but, you know. Well, okay. well, you can go last if you want. No, no, no. It's all good. Right, I, can right, right. I can go. I can go. My final thoughts. Uh, I'm going to piggyback to the beginning of this conversation where we were talking about how the plot was basically... <laughs> two lines. <laughs> two lines. Um and it was great. We all know the huge, um, over the years, fans with the whole, the big plot hole of, you know, how did nobody notice the flaw? Yes, this is something we actually did not discuss yes. that deeply. Um, well, I'm doing it now. There we go. <laughs> this is what final thoughts are for. That's right. Um, so this has been a, a huge fan critique for years. Of how did nobody notice that there was this big flaw um, in the exhaust port flow? Why was this overlooked? Um, you know, blah blah blah. And so it was. It was nice that they took a fan question like that and they made a whole movie about it because that's basically it was explaining, you know, Galen Urso's sabotage. You know, he. He felt bad and he wanted to, you know, kind of make up for doing this. And, and so he, you know, incorporated this little little plan in there and, and to get this flaw in there. So it's, it's, it's kind of neat that this, I feel like this kind of just stemmed from, you know, this big question that fans have had yeah. all these years. And, and uh, Lucas was like, here you go. <laughs> or Disney now was like, Well, sorry. Go. Whoever, goodness gracious, um, it's still Lucas's baby, but yes, Disney. Um, you know, they were just like, "Here it is. Here's your answer. Now stop bothering me about it." <laughs> so, <laughs> but I, but like I said, I just it was a great, great, great movie. I I really enjoyed it, um, and I I cannot wait for the Han Solo movie. <laughs> awesome, yes. awesome. Um, I'm I'm gonna go next real quick. I'll I'll, I'll let David, being our guest, kind of close things out today, with um with, with his final thoughts. But mine are, um, if you just want to rewind a little bit and listen to me, just go on about the the battle of um, Scarif. <laughs> I I think that that sums it up. I'm I, I I should have just been holding toys and like flying them <laughs> through the air as I was discussing it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I'm, but I, I, I love this. I, I really hope that they, they can do more stuff like this. I think, um, freeing themselves from the chains of the chains of the episode episodic Star Wars is good. Um, I love it because all it did was add, in my opinion. I don't think it did anything to take away, and I really enjoyed it. Um, personally, I, like I said, I, I, I left that theater just jaw dropped and just was just so happy with a lot of stuff in it and i i think that yes the the whole you know how was the death star would be taken out by such a seemingly easy flaw that that how did they overlook that's because he hit it and i thought that was great so in my opinion like i said they did a great job and um i don't know we didn't mention it up to this point i didn't know if david wanted to put it in his final thoughts but the carrie fisher um Princess Leia digital thing at the end I thought was was very touching and I thought was a I I know that a lot of people criticize the whole facial re reconstruction thing that they've done with some of the characters but I really enjoyed seeing her again because it um they when when they ask her you know what would what they give you and she said hope I I thought that was just so emotionally driving right there 
and I, I did make the, the joke today when we were watching it before we recorded that she sort of said they gave us a new hope as a play <laughs> on the, the, the names of the movies. That would be kind of funny. Yes. It, it, it would have been, but it, it, I don't think it would have had the same impact. Um, David, your turn to, to close this out and, and jump us into light speed. Okay. When Disney took over the Star Wars property, uh, I was nervous. Uh, not so much for Force Awakens, but this one more so. And it was the one that I was was really hesitant on. And it exceeded all of my expectations with just a few minor criticisms here or there. Uh, I could not have asked for a better movie. Uh, this is the movie that you don't know that you, you want until you actually see it. And now you want more of it. And... I, I have great hope for the Han Solo movie now between like the casting and hopefully the story. And I'm excited to see what they announce next, which uh, may be an Obi-Wan movie in a, a few years, but we'll, we'll get to that point when we get to it, I guess. We would like to thank you for being part of our Star Wars year-long celebration and being an uh, addition to this episode. So, um, thank you for having me. Oh, it, it was a pleasure. We, um, we partnered with you on your channel, which I'm going to give you a second in, to talk about, but we partnered with you. You, um, actually talked to us about, you know, what our fandoms are, but we also were with you for the 40th anniversary of star Wars, which we, we could not appreciate enough you, you having us a part of that. So we want to thank you on, on air with, with our fans for being a part of that. You are welcome. It's fun to have you. So with that, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find my podcast, Tales from the Fandom, on any place that you can get Zang This on, as far as iTunes or Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play. Uh, you can go to talesfromthefandom.com, and you can also go to facebook.com slash talesfromthefandom, where... We update uh, almost daily on upcoming episodes, uh, who's guesting, uh, throwback Thursdays. On Sundays, I try to highlight a podcast or a website that I like, uh, that I enjoy. But my podcast is a weekly podcast where I talk to a different guest each week about the fandoms that they love. Sometimes major ones like Star Wars and sometimes ones that even I have not heard of and I get to get educated on. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for being a part of that. Where's some of the best places to find us on the internet, Ellie? SoundCloud. iTunes, leave us a five-star review. You can also find us on Stitcher, Tuned In, and Google Play. Yeah, yeah. You can also find us on Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. Zing This. Mm -hmm. If you want to tweet at us any of your thoughts Give on Star Wars. Give us a tweet, tweet, tweet. You can do that at Zing This on Twitter. Uh, you can also go on Instagram where we post some pictures. That would be... At Zing This Podcast. You can go to Patreon if you want to help um, contribute to the podcast. www.patreon.com slash Zing This. If you want to find us on YouTube, just search Zing This. And finally, if you want to email us directly, you can go to... Zing This at gmail.com. We'd like to thank our sound guy, A.A. Ron, and DJ Golden Boy, <laughs> as always. Um... 89. Play us out. I've been Grand Moth Zinger. EK2SO. I've been David the Hutt. Thank you guys, and we'll see you next time from a galaxy far, far away. Bye.